Welcome back into the Diehards. Got a great episode today. Um, start off by giving a recap for Week Five's games, and everybody gives their winner and loser from around college football. Um, then we jump into the Tide, uh, break down the game, and give t- key takeaways. And then everybody gives their MVP for last week against Mississippi State. Um, then we round it out by giving our score predictions and breakdowns for um, Texas A&M next week in a huge game. Um, unfortunately, Harris's audio and video was corrupted for the back half of the podcast, so we did record predictions and picks for next week's games, um, but unfortunately had to remove that. Um, but we will be sure to update y'all on the standings of everyone's picks um, in episode three. And uh, now I'll uh, go back to uh, past Jack to introduce the show. Y'all enjoy. Welcome back into the Diehards. My name is Bragg. Here with me for our second episode is Mr. Mancuso, Jimmy, and Harris once again. Glad to be back. <clears throat> we uh, never thought we'd make it this far, but uh, glad to be here. All right. Um, Going to go ahead and dive right into the games per usual. Uh, first one on the slate is uh, Georgia at Auburn. Um, ended up being close than a lot of people thought. Not sure what we learned from this game, but uh, definitely some good takeaways. What did y'all think about it? Lead us off, Jimmy. I think uh, Brock Bowers is honestly, you know, one of the best tight ends in college football, and he has been for three straight years. I mean, he dominated this game. Um, maybe it's probably the reason that Georgia got this victory. But uh, it was a very close game, a lot closer than – a lot of people thought. I know some people on here picked Auburn to cover the spread and everything, but um, for Hugh Freeze in year one, um, even though they lost, I still think that's a very positive trend that they're going in the right direction and they're going to be a tough team to handle in the future. But um, it's a good win for Georgia, but they got a tough test coming in this week on Saturday night with Kentucky. Um, what, what, what else do y'all think about this game? I thought, obviously, had to lead off of Rock Bowers. I mean, that last drive where they scored was kind of ridiculous like that was like you're playing madden or something just like force feeding your creative player over and over i think he had like three or four catches in that last drive um i mean it was funny if you wanted to say scored too soon but against that auburn offense i don't think that's really possible <laughs> uh i mean it was they put up a good game they had a good game plan to try and put up a few points to get the job done <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, Georgia was the better team. They got the win that they probably deserved. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, other than Brock Bowers, not a ton of standouts from Georgia. I mean, they don't really look like the dominant team for the past few years. No, it's definitely pitch and catch between uh, Carson Beck and Brock Bowers and really don't even notice anybody else on the field. But I will say I was pretty impressed with uh, Auburn's offense this year, and I hate to say it, but – Watching them play against Georgia this past week was really what I was hoping Alabama would look like. I think Auburn right now like leads the SEC in rushing offense and rushing touchdowns. There's a lot of cre- creativity, counters, misdirection, uh, QB runs, read options, and 
I thought they executed really well against the tough Georgia front, which obviously isn't the same as it's been the past couple of years. But uh, I was really impressed. I think Hugh Freeze has got Auburn going in the right direction. Yeah, you know, I mean, once again, Auburn comes to play at home. That stadium's tough to play in for anybody. And, I mean, obviously I'll mention Brock Bowers. What I thought was crazy was five of his eight catches and 136 of his 157 yards came on those last two drives for them where they got the field goal and the touchdown. Um, but, I mean, Auburn's rushing offense, as you mentioned, Q, so 219 yards against Georgia. I don't think Georgia's – Defense looks the same as it has the last couple of years, but at the same time, it, it shouldn't because of just the amount of talent that they've lost there. Um, and I just I don't think Carson Beck is quite good enough to win them a championship yet. Yeah, he is sneakily um, second in the SEC in passing offense. He he had a good passing game, but I just don't think he he leads it like uh, like he needs to for them. One quick thing. Um, McConkey is back for Georgia. I know he wasn't really a big X factor, but that was his first game back this season. Um, so I'm sure he'll get more involved as the um, year goes on. But also, too, with Georgia, how, how they struggled in the uh, run game against Auburn, Kentucky's a very good run offense that got coming in on Saturday. Um, their running back put up 298 yards against Florida this past Saturday, so it's going to be a tough test for them. Um, so for the LSU and Ole Miss game, I mean, I think this was the craziest game of the weekend. Um I mean, unreal win for Lane Kiffin, kind of a, you know, a program statement win for them. Uh, what were y'all's big takeaways from that game? I mean, one thing I kind of thought was, I mean, it was obviously an unbelievable game, a game that any football fan would want to watch. I think the offenses shined here and the defenses crumbled. I mean, there was a lot of, it seemed like, missed, like, communications on the defense and just not being in the right spot at the right time. Um, and kind of the whole game, it just kind of felt like whoever got the ball last was going to win that one. But I'm very happy for Lane Kiffin as he's probably the front runner as now to be Alabama's next head coach. Um, and that was a much needed win for them and their program. I love that. That's been a big topic the past two weeks on the show. <laughs> just you got a few options now. Um, yeah. I love to relate everything back to Alabama too. That was both my biggest takeaways. Um, LSU is running wide open against – or not LSU. Ole Miss is running wide open against LSU the whole game. They averaged 15 yards a catch, and we're throwing it a bunch. I mean, they just were dominating. And then also gave me a lot of confidence in our defense. We held Ole Miss to 56 yards on the ground. And against LSU, they had 317 yards. So, I mean, and even against us, I remember a couple plays where, like, we had him bottled up, and then especially they had one down in the red zone. We had him bottled up, and then he escaped outside, yeah. got like 10 yards. So, I mean, we really were dominating against the run, and I kind of sort of think they were just not a running team, and then they go and put up 317 against LSU. So it gives me a lot of confidence later in the year for sure. Yeah, it's kind of – it's like hard to <clears throat> believe like how bad LSU's defense is. Because, like, Ole Miss, their offense looked horrible last week versus Bama. And I even – I think Dart's pretty good, but still it just looked like they didn't have playmakers. And then to see them pretty much score at will and mm-hmm. go for 317 on the on the ground when uh, LSU's weakness was supposed to be their secondary is pretty unbelievable. I mean, I, I know that, uh, that Ole Miss shredded them in the air too. Jackson Dart went off, but I just, like, could not believe that box score. So, LSU – Got a feel for Jalen Daniels. I mean, dude, he's my Heisman winner right now. But 
that defense is yeah. just mediocre. As a uh, LSU fan, how worried about how worried are you about Brian Kelly right now? Um, I'm, you mean you know he had that tough loss against Florida State earlier in the year, but you know they got another tough test this weekend. And um, I mean, if they if he loses this weekend, it's going to go really south for the program. But as an LSU fan, um, what have y'all give a rating to Brian Kelly so far in his coaching tenure? There, Harry, Harry, what do you think? I mean, I give him like a seven. I think Brian Kelly is Brian Kelly. I mean, we saw what he produced at Notre Dame. I mean, he obviously was able to have a few big ones for their program, keep their program towards the top, but they can never just get to that peak. I think it's kind of similar at LSU right now. I think it's kind of surprising to see LSU the way they are right now. It's not really the team that we're used to watching growing up with. Right now their offense is shining and their defense just looks like they can't guard anybody. He's talked about it publicly that they're like a recruiting class away with the secondary. Like he said this summer, they've got like thirteen transfers in their DB room right now, and he said that's like a big red flag. And I think he was pretty upfront about the fact that their defense is going to have some serious holes, and they're really young. So I'm still pretty optimistic on LSU in the next few years, but uh, I'd give Brian Kelly like a B plus, maybe a B. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm kind of in the same way, but I'm afraid it might not get there because, to me, Brian Kelly's a guy who I think can really succeed at LSU, especially in, in the coming years. Um, I mean, it's not like he took a horrible roster uh, when he got the job, but, I mean, it definitely, for him to be dominating year after year, is going to take a couple recruiting classes. But I do like Brian Kelly's just so unlikable, especially, like, yeah. it, the, you know, his fan base and a bunch of – you know, Cajuns, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, that area. Like, I don't know how long they're going to want to put up with some of his antics and, like, off-the-field stuff or just, like, the way he acts, his personality. If they're not, like, kind of getting some good games out there and some big wins. I mean, beating Alabama obviously gave him a boost for a little bit. But, I mean, it seems like some of that's already faded. And, uh, I mean, if they drop three, four losses this year and then – you know, have another non-ten win season next year. I think there's going to be a lot of talk about uh, about getting him out of there, which I don't think would be the right decision. But just for that fan base to put up with him, I'm not sure if I see it. Definitely be something interesting to look at uh, down the road. Another big game this weekend was the uh, early game, Florida and Kentucky. Um, Coos, uh, what were the biggest takeaways from that game? You thought. Yeah, I didn't really watch much of it because it really got out of handle pretty quick. But my biggest takeaway was that I, I mean, it was unbelievable how bad Florida's defense was. Like, it was like 200 rushing yards in the first half to one guy and immediately down by like three or four touchdowns, like quickly. Like, and it's not like Kentucky, like talent wise, I, you could say that. They're about equivalent, but I'm I'm gonna go with Florida having a pretty sizable gap. Uh, it's just kind of inexcusable. I can't even remember the last time at an SEC matchup an opponent gave up that many rushing yards that quick, and like that's what you know Kentucky's gonna try to do at home. I I don't understand how the game plan isn't better than that. So I don't know. I don't know if Billy Napier's the guy in Gainesville. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm too worried about Kentucky, at least as a Bama fan, but uh, I do think they're frisky. Yeah, I mean, as as Bragg mentioned about uh, LSU not being able to put up with Brian Kelly, I think even more so, I see Florida struggle to put up with Billy Napier. I just don't think that uh, he's the guy. I think you mentioned that 
Florida has probably a sizable gap on Kentucky in talent, but I think that Kentucky has the edge in coaching there in that matchup. I think we saw that there. And, uh, I mean, Florida's program looks like they might be able to turn a corner after beating Tennessee at home a few weeks ago. Obviously, that didn't fool any of us as we were all in Kentucky last week. Um, but I think Florida just showed absolutely no fight. I mean, they got down 23-0, got their first touchdown late in the first half, and then got down 30-7 to start the second half. Um, I mean, I can't say I was too surprised Kentucky won, but in that fashion kind of shocks me. That's just not, yeah. not a Florida yeah. football team. I think yeah. that's everybody's take. Also, um, I gotta gotta give it up for uh, Ramon Davis, the Kentucky running back. He had a hell of a game: two hundred ninety-eight rushing yards, three touchdowns. And um, I mean, for him uh, against Georgia, like y'all talked about earlier in the podcast, Georgia struggled um, run defense-wise against Auburn. And um, I feel like Ramon Davis is, you know, what he showed against Florida. He's a little bit better than Auburn's running game. So we could see um, how it turns out on Saturday. But uh, yeah, Mark Stoops uh, has done a terrific job coaching up there in Kentucky. He's owned that rivalry against Florida. Um, so yeah, definitely something interesting to see. Uh, Bragg, what do you, where do you see uh, Kentucky in the East this year? Do you see them, you know, being towards the top as finishing like second or kind of like middle middle tier towards season's end? Yeah, so this is one of those games where, you know, I'm kind of looking at it because the game, you could tell it was going to happen pretty early on. And I'm looking at, is is it one of those, is Kentucky good or is Florida bad? And for me, that's just been the question mark all over the SEC East this year. I mean, you have Florida starts off with the awful loss to Utah, and you're like, are they just terrible? And then they come back with an insane win against Tennessee, and you're like, is Tennessee terrible? But then they beat South Carolina. I mean, I feel like nobody has really showed themselves to – to be this number two contender against Georgia. I think right now you'd have to say Kentucky's number two because, you know, they probably have the best win um, out of all those teams. But, I mean, it's really one that you just could be so wide open. I don't think there's a single team in the East that you say you could say couldn't lose to another team. I mean, I think right now it's pretty wide open just who shows up. Obviously, Kentucky showed up. I mean, hopefully we beat them down pretty good. That might, you know, hurt their season a little bit. But uh, but I think the SEC East is going to be a super fun one to watch down the stretch. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially with Missouri. They're up and coming and they're undefeated. But um, let's go over to another big SEC West game this past weekend, Arkansas versus A&M. Um, Harris, what were your takeaways? Um, I mean, do you think a and going to be a scary opponent for the Tide coming up on Saturday? Oh, uh, you know, I honestly didn't get to watch too much of this game as I was locked in on the USC-Colorado game. You know, all the points there were just fun to watch. But I will say I did watch some of it, and Arkansas's offense just honestly is not as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I thought they had a lot of preseason hype behind KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. Um, but I don't know if they necessarily aren't able to live up to it, or is Texas A&M's front seven just that good? I mean, I do believe they have a good front seven maybe the best in the SEC um, is there yet to give up 150 rushing yards this season. But I'm also worried for Arkansas. Is I'm not sure if they're going to be going bowling this year. What's their I mean, record right now? Two and three? Two yeah, and three. They, they had so a tough they, loss to BYU, too, earlier this year. I mean, yeah. Lost to BYU. I think that I was their second up. loss. No, they're two, two and three, three right now. Um, Missouri? 
Oh, it was uh, LSU. They lost by three dollars. Oh yeah, uh, that's, right. that's right. That's right. That was that was only two weeks ago. So who who are their four wins they're picking up? I don't know if anybody has a schedule. Um, I mean, I I don't know if they're playing in Jordan Hare or not later down the road. Um, Definitely not. I, I mean, I think yeah, they yeah, can get one against Mississippi for State. KJ Jefferson because he's a he's a good quarterback. I mean, I'd take him any day of the week. Yeah. My take on that game, when I watched it, like, every time I was looking at the screen, it was just constant pressure on KJ. I mean, I know yeah. NM has an insane front, but even so, it's like there's always somebody in his face. Yeah. Harris, do you have the, the schedule pulled up? I know everybody's yeah, tuning into got... the pod for the uh, Arkansas schedule breakdown right now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's they, got, they got Ole Miss <laughs> this weekend. Uh at Alabama awesome. next weekend, Hem versus Hell. Mississippi State, at Florida, Hem versus Ooh. Auburn, Hem versus FIU, and Hem versus Missouri to close out the year. Uh, they could pick up one win the rest of the season. I mean, I think at best this team goes six like and that's I think they're better than Florida. I think if they're six and six, that they'd be pretty great with the situation that's a win. right that's now. That's a win for yeah, them. For sure. They'll be going to Shreveport. They'll go down to the Independence Bowl. <laughs> um another game this weekend was the uh Fox Big Noon uh game of the week, USC Colorado. A lot of hype as always with uh Dion playing on prime time against USC and Lincoln Riley's offense, the Foreman Heisman winner. Um, guys, uh, USC won. Uh, Colorado kind of came back late in the game. Um, but what do y'all think about USC? Are they uh, a real threat, um, you know, to get into the playoff and get into a national championship game? Well, first off, I just want to say super glad that Caleb Williams is still healthy, um, got through the <laughs> whole game. You know, so, you know, never want to see injuries in the sport. You know, I had a knot in my stomach the whole game, but, uh, Fortunately, he went out there and balled. We didn't have to watch, you know, one of the, the premier players in the nation go down. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. I know there, there's been some rumors. I was, I was, you know, wishing an injury on him and maybe even live that I heard, you got a lot of, I heard you got a lot of hate mail for that. But yeah, I mean, the viewers weren't happy. Comment section was on. But, I mean, yeah, I just needed to put the statement there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that game went as, exactly as I predicted it. Very few punts, a lot of points, Colorado to cover. Um, the only big takeaway I actually have is I just – I don't think USC's defense is good enough to get them a championship. No. Pretty similar to LSU. And I don't know. I, I think this game was pretty much what everybody is expecting, which has kind of been a similar story for most of these. But USC has an amazing offense. Defense sucks. Colorado's – Above average, uh, pretty solid offense, but don't have don't have the Jimmys and Jeffs on the line of scrimmage. Played out pretty much like everybody was expecting. Hopefully, we won't be hearing quite as much about Colorado anymore. Yeah, will be interesting yeah. to see uh, USC take on some a uh, little tougher opponents the next few weeks. For sure, we got uh, two more games to cover before we get into our uh, winners and losers of the week. Um, South Carolina, Tennessee, um, big win for Tennessee at home on Saturday night uh, in Rocky Top. They had the blackout. Um, Bragg, uh, what do you think about Tennessee getting the win over Spencer Rattler and Joe Milton's offense? Um, are you are you a little worried about Tennessee coming into Tuscaloosa later this year? Uh, what are your takeaways? I mean, absolutely not. Um, 
I don't think they really scare me at all. <laughs> I didn't get to watch this game, as we'll talk about later in the pod. Um, you know, as, as Mr. Burkett and I uh, made an instinctive decision to, to go watch the Todd. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, the SEC East is just a conundrum to me. But uh, in terms of threats to the Crimson Tide, I don't see many of them uh, putting up too much of a challenge outside Georgia. So, I mean, I still like our chances in, in that game, third Saturday, October, for sure. Yeah, I don't really know what to think about either of these teams, honestly. I've been a Spencer Rattler hater the past few years, but I will say this season I've turned the tide on him. I think he's a baller, but the rest of the Gamecocks roster is just freaking awful. I mean, offensive line is terrible. Defense has been letting the floodgates open pretty much every game this season. Um, Tennessee... I don't really know what to think about them either. I'm definitely more concerned. I think Tennessee is probably the third biggest game, I think, or third most losable game left on Bama's schedule. I think A&M's number one, LSU two, Tennessee three. Uh, I don't really know what to think about Joe Milton. I think that uh, receiver, was it Calhoun that they lost? No, Brew McCoy. gruesome injury? Brew McCoy, yeah. Losing their biggest receivers, obviously, um, tough, especially when you think about how they torched Bama last year with Jalen Hyatt and the rest of their speedsters. I don't know. I, I agree. I don't think they have the same firepower they had last year, but uh, still a um, still a solid team. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I I think that Tennessee is definitely taking a step back this year. Um, I, I don't think Joe Milton is living up to the hype that everyone put around them. I think his, his ability to throw 90 yards is cool and all, but you got to be able to throw it accurate as well. Um, obviously, losing Brew McCoy is hurting them a lot because he's just kind of a safety valve. He's so reliable and just pick up 10, 15 yards when they need it. Uh, gets open, great um, catch and traffic receiver, can make big plays. Um I was honestly more surprised about South Carolina and how Spencer Rattler uh, wasn't able to throw for more yards against this defense that he did. Um, but, I mean, his offensive line is just so atrocious. He got sacked six times in this game, pressured even more. I mean, they just don't give him much of a chance back there to let his receivers get open. Yeah, something to definitely watch as the Tide will be playing Tennessee uh, later on this year. And finally, the uh, final game before we get into our winners and losers, it was the uh, college game day, uh, game of the week, Notre Dame at Duke. Uh, Notre Dame won in a, uh, I mean, it was probably the best game of the weekend other than the Ole Miss and LSU game, but it was a classic. Sam Hartman, final drive, goes in and uh, comes out with a clutch victory after losing to Ohio State last week. And uh, But prayers up to Riley Leonard and the Duke quarterback. Um He's a hell of a player, and you just hate to see him go down like that at the end of the game. Um, Harris, what, I know you're in Starkville getting ready for the game, but um, any thoughts on Notre Dame? What do you think their uh, playoff chances are um, as the season progresses? Yeah, you know, it's actually kind of funny because as the game was winding down in the due game, we were going into halftime. So I whipped out YouTube TV on my phone right, uh, and <clears throat> was able to watch the last touchdown that Notre Dame scored to – uh, win the game, I guess. And so that it, it was a hell of a game, though. I mean, defense really shined in this game, which was good to see after some really big offensive days. Um, I think Notre Dame's offense looks average at best against a good defense. I mean, Sam Hartman was like 50% completion percentage. 
Um, but they do have a good defense after for sure. And it really does suck for Duke about Riley Leonard because this was probably their best start to a season and who knows how long. And, um, I mean, he was such a big player for them. You hope he's not out for too long so they can continue to have a good season. Yeah, I feel like Notre Dame was kind of owed this one after uh, losing Ohio State on that last play. They definitely should have won that game. Um, I kind of feel like Sam Hartman. He, he Sam Hartman was so good last year. Statistically, he hasn't been that great this year. He reminds me of uh, Russell Wilson when he came to Wisconsin. Like he, Russell Wilson kind of put Wisconsin over the top that senior year, and they like made it to a Rose Bowl or something. I think uh, Sam Hartman's going to do that for Notre Dame, and they're going to have their best season in a long time. I don't really think they're a playoff team, but uh, I think. I think they'll make it to a great ball game and maybe have one or two losses this season. Um, both both likable teams. Sucks that one of them had to lose, and really sucks that uh, that Duke's quarterback had to go down. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that was a good recap of a of another good week in college football. Uh, let's move on to. Next segment, which is uh, winners and losers from around the, the country. Jimmy, you want to go ahead and uh, and kick us off? Who's your winner for this week? Yeah, so my winner, uh, I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, but it's Kentucky's running back, uh, Ramon Davis. Um, just went off against Florida's defense. Florida couldn't stop him. He had 288, uh, 288 yards rushing, like I said earlier, almost average 11 yards of carry. Um, get a really big win um, this week. All right. Uh, my biggest loser of the week, though, however, was UCF. Um, the Gus Bus, Gus Malzahn, um, his team gave up 25 points to Baylor in the fourth quarter and ended up losing um, that game. And also, too, me and Bragg were sitting um, at my place watching it um, the end, and, um, you know, we were saying, like, the atmosphere really wasn't that crazy, and um, – especially for UCF, you know, being in a Power 5 conference in the Big 12. Um, I thought the crowd could be a little bit better, but they're my biggest loser. Uh, Coos, what were your uh, takeaways from the weekend, biggest winner and biggest loser? Yeah, I think I took the clear-cut favorite here with Brock Bowers. Uh, really the game of the week. He went eight receptions for 157 yards and a touchdown, and really everybody in Jordan-Hare knew exactly where the ball was going, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh Dude's the best player in the country. It might have been for the past two years. Uh, I, I'm so ready for him to head to the NFL, and I've never seen him <laughs> in a Georgia uniform ever again. I want him to get sent to the freaking Cleveland Browns for him to get three targets a game like Kyle Pitts. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think he's like a descendant of Hercules or something. Like He's like the, one of the most unbelievable football players I've ever seen in college. Uh, I, I love him. I hate that he's on Georgia, but yeah, he's my he's my biggest winner of the week, and uh, deservedly so. Biggest loser, we already touched on it. Florida Gators, like that's one of the most pathetic losses I've seen in a while. Like, how do you give up what what like three hundred fifty rushing yards for the game, like and two fifty and one half or something? Just atrocious. Uh, I don't I don't know you, I don't know how you put together that pathetic of a performance in that big of a game. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, took the two clear-cut favorites there. Passed on to you, Big Lyle. 
Uh, you know, my biggest winner of the week was Oregon State on Friday night. They upset at number 10 Utah. I don't know how much of an upset it was with Vegas having Oregon State favored there. Um, but it was a big bounce-back game for Oregon State after losing to Washington State the week before. And I thought Oregon State looked great. I thought the environment was great. They won a hard-fought physical matchup versus the two-time defending Pac-12 champs who's known for being a physical team. I think Oregon State just looked overall better. Um, and I know Utah is dying to get Cam Rising back there. <laughs> my biggest loser of the week, though, was myself and anyone else that didn't get to watch the LSU Ole Miss game last weekend. I mean, that was just a hell of a game. All the big plays. Um, you know, it honestly looked more like a Big 12 game than an <laughs> SEC game. But, I mean, it was just awesome. Came down to the last drive, as everyone expected, and the team that got the ball last Ole Miss won. I think LSU actually started driving down the field there in the last 40 seconds, but couldn't pull out a touchdown. <clears throat> yeah, I, mean, I did the same as you as soon as I got back. When I looked up the highlights, I had to catch some of that game. Um, my winner for this week, it's really for the whole year, just college football fans. Um, I mean, a little bit of a generic answer, but I mean, this season, I think everyone can agree, has just, it's shaping up to be an all time classic. I mean, with Georgia regression, regressing from the last couple of years, there's not really a clear cut favorite. The SEC isn't even the clear cut most dominant conference. I mean, there's good ball clubs all across the country. Um, and we're kind of getting to that stage where, we, you know, we're in that find-out stage about a lot of teams. I mean, just in the next two weeks, some of the matchups we have going on, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, Missouri, Kentucky, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, Oregon, Washington, Missouri, Kentucky, A&M, Tennessee, Miami, UNC, USC, Notre Dame. So, I mean, we're going to find out a lot about a lot of teams kind of see what to look for going down the stretch in terms of playoff stuff. But right now, I mean, just enjoying what we've gotten so far um, has really been been my big thing for the year. Because, I mean, we've just had some awesome games, some awesome storylines from all across the country, which you don't always see. I think it's been one of the most unpredictable seasons in the last 15-plus years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you really have no idea what's going on for the rest of the season. Bragg, what was your uh, loser of the weekend? And then uh, we'll dive into the Tide and uh, have everyone takeaways from the game. Yeah, I don't want to hold you all up too long before we get into the Tide, of course. But uh, my biggest loser is just whoever has to listen to Robert Griffin III commentate a football game. I mean, he, is, he is just – I mean, my only note for this is he is just the worst. I mean, he is, he is uh, an interesting combination of uh, – of having a lot of charisma and being very unlikable. It's like he has to have a take on every play and some sort of, I mean, it's just, especially when your team's the one who is, you know, talking about, you know, he did the USF game for Bama, already a horrible game, but I mean, my hate for him was growing more and more. We were trying to get Eli Gold on the whole time for that game. We couldn't get it worked out, but, uh, but yeah, RG3 is just awful right now. And Dude, I completely game. agree. I think he's he so he bad. It. I think you said he called the LSU Ole Miss game last weekend. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, what a horrible, what a horrible. How does ESPN not get anybody better than him? Like he is so bad. He seems like a nice guy, but I completely agree. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he might be doing the 11 a.m. Alabama Arkansas game next uh, Saturday, so we'll see. But let's get into the tide. Uh, Obviously, big win down in Starkville against Mississippi State, our first SEC. 
road test, uh, comes back with a victory. Um, just quick takeaways before we uh, hand it off to everyone else. Um, Jalen Milrow, no turnovers. He had a big game. Um, Caleb Downs balled out. Um, he got the uh, freshman player of the week and obviously so the defensive player of the game. Um, Kuso, what were your takeaways from the Tide's primetime victory down at Starkville? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was like a perfect showing, but definitely like what I was looking for. Really happy with uh, the Tide's performance and feel like we're starting to continue to approve and taking a opponent into consideration. I think this was definitely our most complete performance this season. Um, I'm still not loving the play calling. Like I mentioned earlier, like I think we need to run the ball more and need more creativity in the run game like we saw in uh with the Auburn offense versus Georgia this past weekend. I really liked really liked all the misdirection and the uh the read options and just overall creativity and I wish that we could develop that more with our offense. Uh defensively, I think uh forcing the three turnovers uh resulted in really good performance for uh for the D. I think uh it kinda overshadowed some pretty uh ugly drives at Mississippi State had where they kinda just went right up and down the field like three possessions in a row, which was kinda unsettling. I know Saban talked something about like that being because we were in, in dime and weren't expecting for them to commit to the run, but either way, not what you like to see, but happy to see us start to force some turnovers. Um Secondary was insane, per usual. I think we've got the best secondary we've had since, like, Minka and Barlin Humphrey were, were roaming, roaming back there. Um, other than that, I mean, I think Milrose should improve it, but he's got to play even better. Offensive line, that was definitely their best game, but got to continue to get better. This is going to be a big test next week. Yeah, you know, um definitely agree with a lot of that. I uh, I didn't think we looked great, but being able to get a 23-point win there, um, I think we're showing a lot of improvement. Murrow went 10 for 12 with 164 yards and no passing touchdowns, but no turnovers. Nice to see. Um, you know, I would have liked to see him get the ball out of his hands quicker a little more times. I think there were some times mm-hmm. where he missed the open man downfield, just not seeing him and wanted to take off running with that instead. I don't know if there's like built up pressure in his mind, not wanting to take a sack, not wanting to throw an interception. But, I mean, he still got sacked four times. Um, I don't think all of them are necessarily the offensive line fault because he did hold on to the ball long on some of them. Yeah. But I felt like we did a great job of being able to move the ball uh, throughout the field and into their territory. I just wish we could have finished off drives better, you know, four field goals. Obviously, not to see a kicker go four for four, but you don't really want to be kicking four field goals to begin with. Uh, I mean, the defense, obviously, three interceptions was huge, including a pick six. I thought the D-line had a little bit of a rough day, giving up 154 yards. I mean, it's not too many. I just felt like there were too many holes. And as you mentioned, um, us having our dime package in, they were able to run the ball and take advantage of that. I think that's something probably Mississippi State saw in the film weeks before as we gave up some big third-down runs to uh, Texas and Ole Miss. And then I noticed they had a few on us as well, so – I don't know how well that dime package has been doing for us. Um, I know there's one <laughs> where we take a defensive lineman out of the game to put another outside linebacker edge rusher in, and that's kind of been costly for us. I don't really think we've gotten many sacks there and it seems to just hurt us more than help us. Um, but fortunately, we were able to not give up any big plays, which is always key. You know, you got to make them drive the field and 
Obviously, that's where you can get turn average. You can't give up the big ones, but I thought it was good. Brag, what were your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a similar reaction, obviously, um, to Harrison Coos. I thought Milro played a pretty good game. I mean, definitely the most concerning thing is not getting the ball out of his hands. I mean, I think he dropped back five times in the first quarter and never threw the ball, um, ending up with 12 pass attempts when he probably dropped back 30 times in the game was pretty yeah. insane. Um, especially there were a few where, you know, he has a bad habit of just rolling, you know, to his right or to his left, even when that's really not the hole um, to, to, you know, scramble from. And, I mean, he had a couple where he kind of tucked the ball for like a three-yard loss going out of bounds. Where yeah. I mean, if I'm, the, if I'm the offensive line, I'm sick about that because, I mean, that counts as a sack. And so, I mean – you look worse when you really had a great game. And, I mean, obviously you can throw the ball away, but also something that he did do a couple times, which worked so well, is, you know, when the A or B gap was open, he took off there, and that was where some of his best runs were from. I'd love to see a few more quarterback draws utilizing that, you know, those gaps. But, I mean, if he can kind of look up and, you know, I know he has a mental clock going off, but, I mean, to if you can run straight forward for, you know, yards – you don't have to do much, and you're going to get four yards on a quarterback scramble, especially the way he was running the ball, you know, really trying to, to take it to the house. I love the spin move he broke out, even though it didn't really take him anywhere. But just, like, trying to be an actual runner rather than a quarterback was great. He also had a few good down-the-field throws um, while he was scrambling that I love to see. I thought the second half was very good for him. Um, that was definitely my biggest takeaway, just watching the quarterback in an environment like that, um, you know, to see what he can do. I mean, obviously, he's you – know, our team, we have some uh, other, you know, factors. But in terms of us winning a national championship, we're going to need him to, to play very well down the stretch. And uh, I thought, like y'all were saying, it's good improvement. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I know Bragg mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but uh, Bragg and I, we decided last second to go to Starkville for the game. Um, so it was a good environment. It was loud. The cowbells are annoying. Um, glad I don't have to hear those again for a while. Um, but my takeaways, y'all touched on this. I mean, Jalen with no turnovers was big. Thought uh, Amari Nyblack are tied in. Um, he had some big receptions in the game. Um, I think our offense can utilize them um, a lot going forward in the passing game. Um Special teams is great. Um, Paris touched on it well, Reichard. I mean, I'm never nervous when he's out there to kick a field goal. I feel like it's automatic three points every time. Um, even with our punting, um, burn up, punted a ball inside the one. Um, and also, too, I think another big takeaway was we started better than past games in the first half. Like at halftime at the game, I was in Starkville. I wasn't nervous about losing the game. Um, the only other game where I felt like that this year was Middle Tennessee State. Like USF, we were still tied at half. Texas, obviously, and Ole Miss, we started slow. But um, it was a very good start um, to the game. And also, too, I loved uh, just, you know, the interviews and stuff post-game and just uh, hearing, you know, Saban talk about Miss Terry, like saying, oh, I got to get on the players more or I got to watch them back at home. I can see more of what's going on on the TV screen and everything. But um, it was a good win, a good first road win in the SEC. Um, We got our biggest – test of the year on the road coming up this year or coming up this week with A&M but uh, let's get yeah, into the MVPs wait, wait, or Jimmy, you want to say something we, real quick Brag? 
Yeah, just before we you know kind of move on, I, I kind of want to look back at some of the things we said from last week uh, on our prediction. I thought the boys did very well on what we were talking about. You know, one big key was we wanted two touchdowns from the offense in the first half. I mean, yeah. putting up 31 in the first half, I feel like that's all we can really ask for. Yeah. Also, got to give a shout-out to Kuso, just sniping the, the defensive touchdown. We were due. Weekend. We were due. First I quarter, I thought about too. that immediately uh, when that happened. I was like, I, was like, I bet Kuso's going – Crazy right now. What a prediction, though. That one, that looked like the 2016 defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also just going off what James was saying, I feel like we should do this every game, especially for the away games, or only for the away games. But uh, but to break down, because I think we'll have at least one member present um, for every away game, just kind of break down what the atmosphere was like. Um, Harris, Jimmy and I were all at the game. Um, Saturday, Jimmy got into it a little bit, but the cowbells were crazy. Another takeaway I had was the food was awesome there. Uh, yeah. It got a double cheeseburger that really hit the spot. And it also <laughs> it made me appreciate Alabama's game day experience because their speakers were awful. You couldn't hear a thing there. They didn't have the lights. The scores on the scoreboard weren't updated, so we didn't even know what the LSU score was. There's just a lot of things that we do that I kind of don't even think about that Mississippi State has a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one final thing um, on the atmosphere and stuff before we get into the MVPs of the game. Uh, I didn't know this, but, like, all the fans, I don't know if, uh, if you saw this, Harris, or not, but me and Brax saw this in the game. Like, once the center puts their hand on the ball, like, they have to stop doing the cowbells. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I didn't know that At either. Mississippi State. Uh yeah, I can start off. Yeah, my my MVP, I went with Caleb Downs. Uh, gets his first pick in a Bama Uni, and I also saw PFF had him graded as the highest uh or best graded safety in the country, which is pretty insane for a true freshman in his like fourth game. And is that his first? Is that the SEC opener or no? It's second SEC game. Uh, yeah, that's pretty insane. I mean, he's living up to the hype. Uh, he's been solid all season too. I think he got beat like once in the Texas game, but other than that, haven't really noticed him that much, which is good for the safety position. Hasn't been getting burnt. Um, he leads Bama in tackles as a true freshman. Just insane. Uh, we're definitely gonna need his help over the top next week with Anaya Smith and um, freaking what's the other guy's name? They got two stutters. Evan Stewart. Yeah, we're gonna need some help. So hopefully, uh, hopefully the solid play continues. I've really enjoyed watching him uh, get better and better every week. Mm-hmm. He was great. Brought out the double shooting sleeves too. Great look for him. Love to see our, our safety <laughs> swagged out like that. Brad, who was your MVPs? Uh, you wanted to hit on it um, <laughs> earlier in the show, but who was it? Yeah, I I wanted to spotlight Jahad Campbell a little bit um, at inside linebacker. That's one of the positions we really haven't talked about in the pod. It hasn't been super consistent, which he's been there. We've been rotating a lot, which you don't always see from a Saban team. Um, But Jahad Campbell's played a lot more each game, really played the whole game last week. Ended up coming up huge for us. Had a huge pick right before half that changed the game completely. I mean, the stadium deflated entirely. Uh, in the difference between the 24-10 to 31-10. 
But he had 14 tackles, a tackle for loss, half a sack, and a pick. I mean, I just thought that was huge to have an inside linebacker step up. That's the first time. I think that's the first time in the Saban era anybody's had uh, 14 tackles and a pick. Wow. Jimmy, what you, uh, what you got for MVP? Yeah, so I'm going to uh, flip sides of the ball. I'm going to try to get a little spotlight on the offense. Um, I thought Amari Nyblack, um, he played a great game for us. Um, I think he could be a huge weapon for us as we get down later in the year. Um, he's very well with Jalen Milrow in short passing games, um, getting open quickly. Once he gets the ball, he can create space, too. Um, he could be big in the red zone, too, especially for play action um, type sets that we can do. Um, I just thought he played a really uh, great game, and I think um, – He's going to be a huge X factor for us offensively um, as we get down uh, towards um, the later half of the season. Um, so, big game this weekend, boys. A&M, um, I mean, the only two undefeated teams in the SEC West. Um, Bragg, what do you think about going into Kyle Field on, on Saturday? Yeah, I'm interested to hear what everybody thinks about it. Kyle Field's a really tough place to play. Um, they always bring a good crowd. Um, I I like the way that our team has been trending. I think it's very important for us to continue to go in the right direction, especially as we get later into the kind of SEC gauntlet we have ahead of us. But, um, I mean, I think this could be a big statement win for us. It could also be an awful kind of season-ending loss. Not ending, but, you know, season dynamic changing loss um yeah i they you know i think the big key for us is going to be to win third downs um their defense has been awesome on that they're 23 percent on the year um which you know when you're playing on the red in the sec that's how you win and lose ball games so i got the tide though of course um i like us 30 to 16 and kind of a weird one a lot of field goals a lot of missed chances but uh i think we walk away with the dub kusa what you got for this one yeah, uh, I'm pretty worried about this one, not going to lie. Uh, offensively, I really don't think Milrow is ready for this environment. Um, and I think our offensive line's a little bit more ready. But uh, going against this insane A&M front seven and at Kyle Field is going to be really, really tough. And the uh, only reason I'm picking Tide to win is because uh, I think the Bama defense is insane this year, and I think they're going to bring their A game, but they're going to need to force some interceptions, and offenses at the minute, I'm going to have to play complimentary football, minimize the turnovers, win the field position battle. I think another big part of us uh, having a chance to win this game is coming from special teams. Reichert needs to be his usual best kicker in the country self. We're going to have to knock a few field goals to the upright. Seth McLaughlin needs to figure his snaps out. I think I'm actually going to have a stroke if he sends one over <laughs> Melrose's head in this game. Um, God, I hope he's figured that out. Yeah, I think just wanting the turnover bet on this one's going to be huge. I'm really interested to see uh, RDB's first Texas A&M receivers, and then I'm worried about our line versus Aggie's D line. I mean, they've got some dogs up front. It's it's going to be it's going to be tough. I hope I hope they're ready. I trust Tyler Broker. I trust J.C. Latham. Uh, other three guys that they need to uh, they need to bring their lunch pails. They need to be ready for this one. It's gonna be tough, but I'm going with the tie twenty three twenty with a uh, Will Rackard walk off field goal. I don't know if I can handle a game like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just preparing myself. <laughs> I like 
Like, I like that. I love the specific predictions. That's what that's it, what makes the show. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I'll dive in real quick and give my take on the game and my score prediction. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Y'all touched on it. Kyle Field is a very very tough place to play at. Um, it's interesting too because A um they've got they've definitely gotten better since that week two loss against Miami. And uh, for Jimbo, he, um, you know, I feel like he's always just kind of on the hot seat every time, you know, we play him. And, you know, last time we went down to Kyle Field, you know, they weren't really that great. And, you know, we lost. And now we're going down there against, I think, a better A&M team than uh, two years ago when we lost down there. Um, but uh, I think we're going to need to start off quicker. Um, offense, we got we got to put up some points in the first half. Uh, Jalen doesn't need to turn over the ball. And I think our defense needs to get into the backup quarterback and Max Johnson, get a lot of pressure on him, force him to make bad throws, try to get some interceptions. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a four-quarter game. Um, but I think I can see the tide, you know. I think I can see a drive late in the game. Jalen Milrow just kind of gets his confidence back, gets his swagger back. People are going to really respect him after this game. I think he, we're going to be up by one, and he's going to, put the game away late in the fourth quarter with a drive down the field. And um, I can see like a Jace McClellan, like four yard touchdown run at the end of the game to put the tide to win 28 to 20 against the Aggies. Our best players are going to have to shine this game. Oh yeah. I'll say one thing. Um, I can't believe how fast the season's gone by. Um, we're already on our sixth game, which is our halfway point in the season. So I think to anyone listening, you know, soak it up. Um, you only got a few months out of the year to watch college football. So when Saturdays come, um, you better be tuned in watching games from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. So I think that's a great way to close us off. Some great final words from Jimmy. Yes, sir. Well, uh, we'll see you all next week, hopefully after a Todd dub and uh, a roll down Todd. Roll, roll Todd. Todd.